And now for your feature presentation, the classic re-re-re-release of Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. In this version, the word Wookiee has been changed to hair-challenged animal, and the entire cast has been digitally replaced by Ewoks. Episode 1, The Sleeper Has Awakened. I'm Andy. And I'm Mike. And we're going to be here for around the next hour to talk to you about all things geeky, nerdy, and just fun, fun stuff. Till the day takes a T-bird away. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is our first podcast, so just a little bit. We're just going to talk mainly about anything that we find enjoyable. Uh, comic books, movies, games. TV, ga- video games... Uh, maybe do a little sports talk. Who knows? We've got a lot of stuff going on. we got lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, but first, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You know, good. Just It's kind of rainy today, though. It is, it is kind of rainy. It's, it's a little weather out there for the beginning, you know? Kind yeah. Of the fans. Found a little bit of a window. Got to uh, cook out some hot dogs outside. It's really nice. Yeah. Good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. This week... Um, I finally got my wife to play Guitar Hero. And? Oh, boy. That was, that was enjoyable. Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to make any bones about it. I suck at Guitar Hero. If it's not uneasy, I'm just going to blow. And um, it's just funny. I'm kind of coming off like Jeff Beck in the in the house now because I can play all the hard stuff. And you know, she's doing a good job. She's doing a really good job. She's getting like 80s, 90% and everything like that. But it's just hysterical because one time when I was finishing up the game, I was playing the uh, that stupid Dragonfire song. The one's like 17 minutes long. Oh, God. Starts on medium. <laughs> and, you know, I am just I am just butching this just blowing it like a uh, like a cheerleader on prom night and she just kind of walks by looks at me and goes you suck and then walks out <laughs> well, you know what I'm waiting for is What's like that? you know how rock bands got that little drum set section yeah. I'm kind of waiting for the day that they actually come out with like in a guy to Vita you yeah. have to do like that 15 minute drum solo Ooh. and try to keep up with it oh that'd be nice I mean that'd be like the bonus thing where if you can get it you like unlock like everything yeah I mean for me I think what what really needs to happen is we need to have harpsichord hero there you go where your tutorial is essentially some snooty uh, German guy in a powdered wig what, what about other ideas? How about like you know bagpipe hero? You can do bagpipe. Oh, that'd be, be kind of cool. <laughs> be probably painful too. It, it would be painful, but anyway, a um, couple of news items real quick. First of all, uh, we are we're saddened by the passing of Bernie Mac and Isaac Hayes. Uh, all right, rest in peace, both. Yeah, of them. they're exactly. great guys. You know, I, I used to I, love Isaac Hayes, and especially. I mean, of course, you know, we're both South Park fans. We're both diehard South Park fans. Absolutely. And, you know, when he left, you know, the whole, you know, the whole thing with the, you know, the church and all that stuff, and it was kind of ridiculous. But you know, it's too bad. You know, it, it's sad that they couldn't. It's really sad that they couldn't make up and get him back on the show one more time, even yeah. though they they did kill him You're right. horribly. And, and it's kind of like, you feel you kind of feel bad about it now because now he's really, you know, he really did pass away. It's, yeah. But you know, you know, we we still have the DVDs, we still have the memories. Absolutely. And uh, Bernie Max kind of said too. I mean, I wasn't a, a huge fan of his. I, I mean, I wouldn't I. I wouldn't run out and go see all his movies. I mean, but I we, Frank in Ocean's Eleven. Oh yeah, he was great. He just had that great bit where um, they're 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 pulling the grift. He's got Matt Damon as the yeah. uh, the casino uh, inspector. And he just goes off on that thing about you know you want me to tap dance, you want to smile. What was it? What's that one show he had on Fox? It was a couple years ago. He it's had called it for, the Bernie Mac show. The Bernie actually. Mac show. Yes, that's right. Duh. Yeah. Uh, but I remember like what is there was like the first episode where all of a sudden he's like he's walking through like the uh, the grocery store and is like I don't know the kid the son he had all of a sudden just freaks out 
drops his pants, and I'm like, and he's like picking them up or something like that. He just had this <laughs> meltdown. I was really, I was like laughing when I saw yeah, that part. Yeah, so they'll both be missed. It was a shock actually for both of them, considering how young uh, Bernie Mac was at 50, and right. Isaac Hayes is only 65 years old. Yeah, they were young. Which is funny, too, because Isaac Hayes really hasn't aged at all since 1971. No, he still looks the yeah, same. They, I mean, they, especially like since like back in, like, if you watch like Escape from New York. Right. You know, you go back and look at him oh, then. Oh, I'm still going back exactly even further. I'm going back to um, 1971 at the Oscars when he won the Oscar for Shaft. Oh, that's right. He looks exactly the same. And I'm yeah. sure that you know if he pulled off his shirt, he'd be ripped and all that now. But <laughs> they they will both be missed. Absolutely. Um, now the other the other big news item in uh, geekdom right now is the Dark Knight. Right. Um, I'm just gonna say this right now. Who the hell saw this coming? Uh, nobody. Well, I think I think I think the whole thing is really wrapped. And I think everybody pretty much knows this now. It's the whole thing with Heath Ledger, and he for, he did a phenomenal job. I'm not gonna take anything away from that. But I think the whole thing was, I think his death kind of brought more hype to it. And I think that's what was really bringing it up. And it was a phenomenal movie. I'm not going to say it wasn't great or anything like that. But I think the death even gave it more hype. I I think, yeah, I'll I'll give that some credence. I'll give that argument some credence. That I think that there was that morbid curiosity to see Heath Ledger's last completed performance. But I think a lot of people are missing the fact that this was just a great movie. Yeah, it was just it was a phenomenally well made movie. Um, people who don't like comic book movies, i.e., my wife, mm-hmm. really really liked it. I mean, we had a great time when we went to go see it. There's plenty of comedy. There's plenty of a- there's lots and lots of actions. I mean, hell, we're at the point now where my mother and her husband are going to go see this movie, and he right. he only likes action films, like military based yeah. action films. Loves them, and it's got that kind of thing where it's like it's it kind of appeals to everybody. Like if you like action movies, and basically whatever, you know, you're gonna get into this movie, and yeah. I think that's what makes it great. And it's not really, I mean, it's a, it is a comic book hero, right? But it is done as we'll quote a friend of ours. It's it's very realistic. It is. It is. It's got kind of very realistic. realistic. And even my fiance, you know, I've even gotten her into kind of the comic book thing. I mean, she actually now wants to go see Dark Knight. She hasn't seen it yet. Um, she wasn't around when we did it that night, so. She wants to go see it. I mean, she loved Iron Man. She yep. loved that. She loved the Hulk. Yeah. So I'm actually kind of turning her into a female geek. Yeah, she's that's, been, that's great. She's been brought to the dark side. Well, the, the funny thing with this movie is, too, is that when you really go back three years to when uh, Batman Begins came out, um, there really it almost seemed like that movie came out with almost zero fanfare. Right, because I think everybody was so jilted by you know Schumacher's versions, you know. Yeah, the and whole I, thing. I think it was just so jilted, like, oh god, what's this got going to do with it? Right, and, and it, 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 I mean, the you know, you had seen it before I had seen it, and yeah. you, I think you went to go see it with us when I went with, um, I think it was Brian and Kathy. We all right. went to go see it. Yep, and um, it was it was the it is the best comic book movie made to that time. I think it fits the... I think it actually fits the story of the comic book right. of that movie the best. I mean, the Michael Keaton version's very good. But when you but when you think about it, though, and compare... I mean, I, and I'm going back to 89. Compare okay. it to the fanfare that came out for 89. When when Batman came out in 1989, when Tim Burton's movie came out, you couldn't escape it. No. It was this juggernaut. Everybody and, had the shirt. Exactly. And then when they did... When they hit the reset button in 05 and Chris Nolan decided to make another version of Batman... Right. It really came out to a little fanfare, and I have a feeling some of that might have to do with the fact that the Star Wars Episode Three had come out at the exact same time. So it was kind of a little tough there at the time. And also, if you think about it, it was a retelling of the story, and I think you and I both know that sometimes origin movies can be very boring. Yeah. Because usually yeah. the first half of the movie, you're retelling the origin. Right. But I think what they did with this was they kind of went back, and they kind of told the origin, but they did it in a way that was enough that it kind of kept it going. I'm, I'm actually I, – I, I'll go out and say I mean, by no means was it a failure. No. I, 
I'm not gonna. If I if someone handed me two hundred million dollars, I wouldn't say fuck you. I don't want that. You know exactly. And the fact of the matter is that you know, getting back to the Dark Knight, this is a juggernaut. No one expected this to no. happen. Everyone expected that it would do, you know, a little bit over two hundred mil. It would probably be maybe the summer. It would still be probably the summer hit. You know, be the summer hit. It was. It was actually spe- speculated to be the third hit of the summer. Well, it was going uh, to be number, number, one. number one was going to be Indiana Jones. Number two was going to be Iron Man, and then okay. Batman, and then Hancock. Okay. Which you know I yeah. still think sounds like bad porno, and apparently isn't very good. I haven't seen it I yet. But I haven't seen it. Yet. We'll wait till I've heard it's Netflix. <laughs> If it's anything like I Am Legend, I think it's going to be a bit of a letdown. Right. So, speaking of Netflix, um, Mike and I are both proud Netflix uh, customers. You hooked uh, me on it. I, yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean, hooked. and then this is in no way shilling Netflix in terms of, like, you must go sign up for it. But We love it. Uh, we love it. Um, we don't really have a whole lot of independent video stores out in this area, and it's kind of nice that we can, we can find documentaries, we can find stuff. Pretty um, much anything. And we're just kind of, it's great because you just you feel like you have a hankering to watch it at some point in the next, well, for me, year and a half, I think, is when I'm going to see the the, la- the bottom of my list at this point. And basically, the nice thing is you can actually put your guilty pleasures on there, and if you rent it, you're really not, you're not really paying for it. You exactly. Know? You mean, you have the rental fee and everything, but you put it on there, you throw it back in the envelope, two days later, you got a movie you want to watch. So. Seriously, it's, it's unbelievable. So what I did was I've been going into... Movies that I haven't seen okay. or haven't seen like the whole thing of. Right. Um, Flashdance was oh the movie I watched last week, and I've seen like bits and pieces. I'm talking like really bits and pieces on TBS. So it's edited, it's cut up. Um, this movie was dog shit. Oh boy. This movie was horrible. Come on, you weren't a maniac for it? <laughs> My wife and I watched this movie, and there was a certain point about a half hour in, mm-hmm. there's this workout scene where Jennifer Beals and her buddies are, are all working out, and it seems like it's part of an interlude from a movie musical, Yeah. but there's no singing whatsoever. Okay. And the whole thing culminates to the fact that she's in love with a millionaire guy who is dumb enough to just pretty much... Sleep with one of his employees, who happens to be 18 years old, if yep. you can buy that, uh, seductively eating lobster with a, uh, a tuxedo bib on, which, you know, I, I told my wife this after that movie was over. I am so glad that is 180s fashion that did not catch on. And it's funny, even with the shirt and everything, of course, you know, she got her bra off and all yep, that stuff. And exactly. You know, that, that turns on, you know, you know, especially when you're like a young kid and you see that for the first time, like, oh boy, you know, and but, you're like, what's happening down there? But the funny thing about this movie in terms of its climax is the fact that she manages to get into a very, very exclusive ballet conservatory yep. with a shitty jazz dance number. Did she make a mistake too? Like she made the, a mistake. I remember watching yeah. the end of that and all of a sudden she does something, screws up, falls on the floor, sits there for a few minutes, gets back up and says, can I do it again? They say, sure. She does it and all of a sudden they wow, she, they're yeah. wowed. Yeah, actually it wasn't her. It was a woman in a wig that That's didn't match yeah. her hair at all, which is... Well, the character. You know. Yeah. Um, there's, there, there's a problem. Wigs don't sweat the same way a head sweats. So That's true. if you see curly hair on somebody who's working out, guess what? It's a wig. It's a wig. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also, this week, have just received Empire Strikes Back. Uh, this is the unmolested version. Ah, yes, this the, is old the, version, yeah. the old school. Now, the, the thing with Empire Strikes Back, especially the special edition, is I think cosmetically it's the best special edition movie okay. out of the three. Yeah. Um, it It's the best Star Wars movie there is. 
Yeah, hands down. I don't think anybody, at least anybody I, that listens to this, is going to argue with me. Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie. Absolutely. And there's not a whole lot they could add. It's not like you could throw a whole bunch of Banthas in, on Hoth or anything like that. Well, and I mean, I, it kind of ended with such a climax where, like, you know, the bad guys want, are winning right now. Exactly. It's like one for them, you know? And, exactly. So, you know, Cloud City is going to look a little more like a soundstage than it is a uh, the Tabana gas mines. Right. But, you know, I'm just so happy... That they didn't remove any of Billy D. Williams' pimpness. There you go. I mean, yeah. you can't. I mean, Billy D. Williams is the pimp. He he is the pimp. You know. So what did you get this week? What I get? Actually, I just finished watching the old movie. It was actually the sequel to the old Tales from the Crypt. Remember the old one from 1972? The one with Ralph Richardson, right? Right. Uh, yep. With Sir Ralph. He was the Crypt Keeper. Well, this is the Vault of Horror. Okay. It was supposed to be the quote-unquote sequel to Tales from the Crypt 2. And I'm watching it, and it starts out with, like, you know, instead of them in a crypt, they're in, like, the basement of, like, a building. And actually, know who's in it? Was actually, this is pre-Doctor Who, Tom Baker. Okay. With a big bushy beard. Right. For the three of you listening to this who don't know which one Tom Baker was. He's um, the one everybody liked. He, he's the guy, yeah, exactly. When you think of Doctor Who, you think of Tom Baker. I mean, he's, you could think of anybody else, but you're thinking the guy in the scarf and the overcoat. And the afro. And the afro. Sorry. So anyway, I'm watching this movie, and you know, some of the stories are really funny, and some of them are pretty bad. Like, you got, the one, Tom Baker's was actually the best. He was basically a painter, and he, you know, everybody kind of like jilted him, so he wanted to get back at him. So basically, he would paint their pictures like a voodoo doll, and then whatever you do to the picture, they would like die. Um, and of course, he ended up having turpentine spilled on his, and he dies. But I think what really, the one thing I remember reading about this when I was renting the movie was the big controversy about how Fox cut it. I don't know if you heard about it. No. Basically, there were three scenes that they would all of a sudden just put, like, a still picture. Like, in the first one, um, this guy was going to, like, kill his sister, get this inheritance, and found out that the town she lived in was run by vampires. And there's a scene where he's in the restaurant where it's all of a sudden open again. He sits there, sits down, eating his food, and all of a sudden, like, he finds out that he's in a vampires, and they hang him upside down. And I guess in the uncut scene, they basically have a spigot in his neck, and they're using it for blood and feeding it to everybody. And it's, like, really <laughs> fake blood. It's like tomato juice. Right. And it's funny, he's like shaking every time they turn the thing on. But of course what happens is, is I guess in the, the cut version that mo the Americans got was they just show a, a quick glimpse of it and they cut out the spigot. <laughs> and it's like, for today's day and age, with everything that's out there, I mean, you can see more on network TV than on that. And it's like, you know, I don't know what they were thinking. You know, like they had the old Tales from the Crypt movie, they put in a double feature. They didn't cut anything out of it at all. I mean, everything on there was pretty good. Yeah, that's... I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was... Some of the stories were funny. I'd say maybe like two of the five stories were actually good. The rest of them were just crap. All right. Well, and again, that's the beauty of Netflix. You don't really Absolutely. feel it's jilted. You, what do you lose? Two days? Yeah. And then basically you say, okay, I saw it. I got my opinion. I'm done. Let's move on. Exactly. So let's move on now to uh, what we have on our DVRs right now. Okay. Both of us are proud DVR users because I just like my sleep too much. It's great. I mean, especially you can just tape something, go to bed, watch the next day. If you have to go to work. Yep. I love it. Yeah, so what, what, have, what have you got on your DVR this week? Uh, well, I've been kind of actually, I hadn't seen it in like a while because I thought it was pretty good. It was the, uh, the 1996 animated Hulk, <laughs> you know, with Neil McDonough as Bruce Banner. Remember <laughs> Neil McDonough? I, actually, Neil McDonough's local to here. He is. He's from the Cape. That's right, that's right. I didn't realize that. And um, what was that? I also had that on there and the Iron Man with uh, Robert Hayes, you know, Ted <laughs> Stryker doing Iron Man. I mean, how much more can you get with that? Uh, and those sure cartoons he's... were good, but I think, you know, like, I think like what they did was they kind of made him campy at points. Like, they start bringing, like, the Grey Hulk, and She-Hulk would make, like, stupid lines. He goes, we have a situation green. I'm like, okay, come on. 
Yeah, You know, exactly. first off, well, you think anything green, you think usually good. Well, keep in mind, too, this is 96. Isn't that, like, smack wedge in the middle of campy Batman? That is true. That 95's yeah. forever. Getting and back to that. And what else did I have on there? And a movie, actually, it was an HBO movie. They do, like, a lot of documentaries on there. Yep. And actually, uh, they had one called The Recruiter. Uh-huh. If you saw that. It was actually, um, these were, he's actually a, uh, U.S. Army recruiter. And he would recruit, like, you know, he's basically recruiting student, you know, kids in a not so you know, wealthy area. Right. And you kind of actually see the four kids kind of like going through, you know, army training. Like this recruiter actually trained them for basic training. Uh-huh. Kind of get them ready for it. And I thought that was really kind of neat. You know, I mean, I'm not a big, you know, military guy myself. I don't think I could last five minutes. But um, I thought it was kind of neat to see them. And, you know, some one kid went to special forces. One girl ended up going AWOL. And she's like under like things. So you kind of saw each one of them do something. And, you know, the guy who takes his job very seriously. I guess he's apparently one of the top recruiters in the world huh. or the country I should say yeah so I thought it was interesting yeah that's, that's how about great. yourself um, been well DVR? I mean I've got Mad Men which it's it's a little slow starting this season anybody yeah. who's watched uh, season one mm-hmm. will know how great that season was there was a yep. lot of um, excellent excellent nostalgia uh, sets are unbelievable and you go in there watching it thinking they're they're really smoking in elevators and drinking on the job and patting women's asses and stuff like that. And I think that that, uh, I guess in a nutshell, in Hidden Bodies in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, it really uh, does. Yeah. The whole, you know, sexual harassment and all that stuff. This, and... this season, though, is a little slow starting. It takes place about two years after season one ended. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole bunch of things going on with a lot of the characters. Um, I can't remember the girl. Peggy. Peggy's the uh, sec- former secretary who becomes an ad agent. Uh, at the end of last season, she had had a baby. She didn't know she was pregnant, but she was putting on weight, which very, very subtle because my wife and I were watching it and we're looking at her like, is she, are they putting her in a fat suit? And it turns out she was pregnant. Oh. Yeah. So. Then she doesn't have big red hair or anything, if you know what I mean. Because <laughs> remember when they did that whole thing with Mary with Children and all of a sudden she wasn't pregnant, it was some dream. Oh, yeah. If you watch that. But. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's the most clumsy way to write out a miscarriage I've ever ah, seen yes. in my life. Um, but, yeah, this season, her Peggy's sister is taking care of the baby, and she doesn't acknowledge the baby's existence. It's it's slow going. I have a feeling that things are going to take off in the next couple of episodes. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um, the other thing I started TiVoing, and I'm really going to stop, is the works on History Channel. Never seen it. It's... I can't remember the kid's name who does the show, but he's got a PhD in robotics, and he wants to know everything. And I watched an episode last week about beer, and you know me. I'm a huge – if it's if there's a documentary about how food is made, I will watch it. It's kind of like how it's made on uh, Discovery, too. Kind of, kind of. Yeah. Um, and I'm just – you know, if it's Modern Marvels, if it's American Eats, hell, I'll even watch Competitive Eating. I am just that much of a mark for food. Oh, God, I remember watching that once with my father. We were just laughing at it. Oh, it's – Like the guy – like once – all of a sudden, like the guy, like, you know, picks up a spoon instead of a fork, and the announcer goes, well, that's just a rookie mistake right there. And my father and I just started dying of laughter when we saw that part. I just love how a guy who can't scarf down 30 donuts is considered unskilled. Or even a salad, because that's what the infantry was, was. It was right. a salad competition. But um, this thing, the show that works pretty much goes through how things are made, their history. And then, and this is what's really kind of turning me off about the show, is this need to kind of show the subculture 
of the item. So, for example, this this episode that I'm currently watching is on sneakers. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting, you know. You get to see all the stuff about arch support, how the sneaker came about, how the sneaker got its name. Okay. Uh, Chuck Taylor was a former basketball player, which for the twenty some odd years I wore Chuck Taylor All Stars, I had no idea who they were named after. I thought the guy who invented the shoe was Chuck Taylor. Um, the problem is, is that what they end up going into, and this is an hour-long show, about a half hour into it, they start going into these sneaker boutiques, the kind of places wait, wait, that are so exclusive. i got to stop you right there. Yeah. I don't think the word sneaker and boutique should ever be put in the same sentence. Well, buckle in, my friend, because these sneaker boutiques are kind of like trendy clubs. They're, they're not listed in the phone book. They really don't have a phone number. They don't have a sign in front of the door. You kind of have to know somebody who knows somebody and knows somebody so you can get these exclusive Nikes. Some guy in a tux comes up to you and the sneaker goes, Hello, welcome to the sneaker boutique. No, sadly. No, here we go. Here are some Nikes for you. Would you like these? And they put like, you know, like a little pillow or something. Yeah, no. It's, it's primarily a bunch of skate rats who run it. And okay. So I, I shan't think that I will be... Um, I'll be watching this anymore, and I'll probably find something else to occupy my time uh, on TiVo. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, the look on my face right now—it's a good thing you can't see on a podcast. <laughs> well, we're not doing video podcasting, at least not now. Um, so, our topic at hand today is movies that we watched as children. Mike and I are both in our. 30s. I'm in my mid to late 30s, which depresses the hell out of me, and Mike is in his early 30s, but we're both children of the 80s. Absolutely. Um, so what we did decided to do was go back and revisit some of the movies that we watched as kids, loved as kids, mm-hmm. um, either saw them in the theater, our parents brought us to see them in the theater, or we saw them on HBO during the early, early days of cable, and go back and visit those movies and see exactly how well they held up. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny, I mean, it doesn't mean that we hate these movies or anything like that. We'll still go back and watch them, but it's one of the things, it's like, it's one of the things you just can't get away from. Exactly. You know. But there is, you know, it's, there's a big difference between watching something with a child's eyes, with a 10-year-old's eyes, right. and watching it with a 30-year-old's eyes, because things have changed, your life experiences have changed, uh... I found that cynicism has really crept in deep and burrowed itself into my soul. So it really, going back and seeing some of these movies, you kind of almost have to rationalize why you're watching them and why you, you, you don't watch them as often. Absolutely. And earlier I brought up Empire Strikes Back. Okay. And when we were coming up with the idea for the podcast, I was thinking about that. that how well would Empire Strikes Back hold up if there weren't all those... Re-releases of it, and right. the special edition, and the redoing, and then the, the prequels to follow, and all everything, that. Yeah, pretty much everything. Because I mean, if you look at, it, I mean, if you look at the old version compared to the new, I mean, yeah, a lot of stuff looks like it's kind of outdated, but at the same time, it was cutting edge for they the time. Still look like models, but they hold up really well. And Absolutely. Part of that, I have a feeling, is you don't have those huge lapses in time. I mean, I right. go maybe six months in between viewing any of the Star Wars films. Yeah. And by any, I, I am talking about the original three, not the prequels. Right. Uh, so something like Empire Strikes Back, I watched it three months ago, and I'm going to watch it again. But something like, say, Dragon Slayer. Oh, God. Which <laughs> I remember seeing the poster for it. Uh, I was about nine years old when it came out, and I saw the poster, and the poster was really kind of neat. Yeah. And I was kind of into dragons and everything, not not like the way that, that most uh, 
you know, Warhammer guys or anything. Right, we're not dragons. talking. We're not talking like we were like Dungeons and Dragons people, where you just sit and basically play the Dungeons and Dragons game all day. Yeah. But it did look cool. It has that thing. Where it's like, oh wow, this is like you know, swords and magic and you know, dragons. We're gonna see like action and everything. And then, so I mean, watching it on on cable, which is where I first saw it. Yep. Um, it's really kind of a hard movie for a for a kid to follow. Because when you think about it, it's about an apprentice wizard who is working underneath an elderly wizard played by Ralph Richardson, Richardson, the Crypt Keeper. And these villagers come to help them try to take care of a dragon that's demanding a human sacrifice every solstice or whatever. Ah, And that's really a lot for a kid to try to wrap his head around. Um, Going back and watching it, first of all, the movie stars Peter McNichol. Oh my god, who, yeah. Yeah, who we now know as um, Vigo from uh, Ghostbusters yes. 2. Uh, fans or of... he was a little guy that played uh, that was actually Vigo's little like you know henchman or something like that at one point. Exactly, he was his body. And then uh, for fans of Twenty Four, he was on Twenty Four on that really crappy season last year. It's like he kind of went from like a heartthrob little kid hero to like a dork. Kind of like, like he yeah. always played those roles that really kind of fit him, and right. he never really kind of came back from it. Remember, he was also in um, he that... was in Ally McBeal. That's right. The 80s. And then of course he was also in uh, Dracula Dead and Loving it with Leslie Nielsen. He was yeah. like Renfield, and of course he plays like a little sniveling character but i think he works in those characters too yeah you know he knows how to make it work he's a very good comic actor absolutely Um, so seeing him as a heroic adventure lead especially now uh just it just cracks me up yeah it's so funny to see him do that um but with all that said i think the special effects held up really well Mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of matte matte lines there's a lot of blue screening of the dragon but the dragon itself actually looks pretty realistic i I know it was a puppet and some models and it looked really good for the time right exactly i did find that the ending was is still confusing to this day, yes, where... I haven't watched it in years, so you're probably a little more averse on it than I am. Yep. All I can remember is that one scene where he's hiding behind the shield that didn't look like it would cut. You know, I mean, it was big, yeah, but it didn't look like it would hide him that much. He's kind of crouched behind it, and I'm fine. Once you get singed a little bit, maybe on the shoulder, something like that. I mean, a little bit, but he's kind of like there. And you can kind of see his head. And he know. kind of had a fro too, so that thing yeah, should be I'm, popping out. I mean, I thought he'd be, you know, that would just that's just you know, well, it, kindling it, right there. What ends up happening is, and you know, spoiler alert, um. Ralph Richardson's character dies very early on in the movie. Oh, yeah. And he's cremated. Peter McNichol carries his ashes Mm -hmm. and then spreads the ashes towards the end of the movie to bring back uh, Ralph Richardson, who will then slay the dragon. Um, It's confusing because even in a world of wizards and magic, it just doesn't make any sense. They had that little necklace there, that little his little necklace or whatever it would light up every few minutes and do something. And yeah. Like I said, I'm remembering bits and pieces and, and then that the, the, the love interest was actually supposed to be playing a boy and then all of a sudden you found out she's really a girl. Yep. You know. Yeah, that's that's more gratuitous boob shots that Absolutely. uh that made HBO in the early days really, really fun. Yes. Good old days. <laughs> um next on our list is Tron. Ah Tron. Tron. Now I'll I'll go on and let me say I have a soft spot for Tron. Me too. I love Tron. I think it was great. I mean, because you look back then that was like kind of like the first way like thing that like if you were like a computer fan it looked like really cool because like now you're inside the game right you know you could play the video game you could be inside it throwing those discs and i think we all probably all guys at one point got the frisbees and started saying okay i'm trying to throwing it to people and you know basically pelting each other on the head well the funny thing with tron i found was that it wasn't there were certain movies that when you're growing up all your friends love that movie yeah you know everybody loves star wars um 
Everybody loves Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. They, those are movies that you kind of bond with. And Tron is one of those movies that, like for example, I really liked it. My my one of my friends hated it. Yeah, just he really just didn't get it. And it's it is one of those movies. I guess you either you either get it or you don't. I mean, right. there's not a whole lot to understand. No, but. It's it's science fiction. I mean, that's what you get. You got to really kind of say, well, I'm going to really, you know, dissect this. It's science fiction. You know, people don't get that. You know, it's you know what I what I do find interesting about Tron is that the MCP has kind of lived on through South Park. Oh, that's right, as Moses. Um, (laughs) And build the John Wilkes Booth (laughs) to shoot the big, you know, to to uh, shoot the giant uh, Abraham Lincoln right in the back. Um, it's got a great cast. It's got uh, Bruce Jeff- Boxleitner. It's got Bruce Boxleitner um, from the Scarecrow, Mrs. King. Ah, uh, yes. It's got um, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, so who was also you know Obadiah Stane. Yeah, he was Obadiah Stane. I mean, he's and he's just. It's great about this movie is that he just walks through this thing like he's perpetually stoned. Yeah, which is really the only difference I can tell between Jeff Bridges and um, Kurt Russell. Realistically uh, yeah. speaking, you when you think of one, your automatic your mind's automatically going to picture the other one. Right. And the, realistically, the only difference is that Jeff Bridges walks around every single movie he's in like he's perpetually stoned, which is why the Big Lebowski works so well for him. That was a great movie. Yeah. And the funny thing about that is too, I mean, you get look at that, and then you get like you know on the other side, you got David Warner, you know, who's playing Sark and the voice of the MCP. Yeah. You got like you know. You know, kind of stoner actor, and then like British actor, and yeah. and both carry. But playing a cad, imagine that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, it's it, it's it's one of those movies that I'll, I'll pull out every once in a while. I actually recently picked it up on DVD, uh, more so for the the, the extra disc. Yep. Um, which had some interesting stuff. Uh, Steve Leisberger, the director, had done some an, um, animation. Mm-hmm. Had worked on this on this thing, which I'd seen a number of times on HBO called the Laugh Olympics. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And oh, I was it Laugh or Animal Olympics? Doesn't Laugh Olympics with Yogi Bear? No, that's Scooby right. Animal... No, Animal Olympics. That was one I remember, like Billy Crystal, Gilda Radner. Um, I remember that was a great yeah, yeah exactly. You're right. It is Animal Animal yeah. Olympics, and it was just one of those things that watching it and just even seeing just the little clips. Yep. You get that you get that thing where you get that focus going back into your pupil and remembering sitting in front of the TV watching something like that. Absolutely. Um. So. I, I say Tron holds up. It's, you know, obviously video games have changed dramatically. And I think for the time, like I said, for the time it was. I mean, you talk about computers, the laser right. lights. I mean, look, it was all black and white with just the colors kind of thrown in. But I think that's what makes it look cool. And actually, now they're making a sequel. I heard. Uh, yeah, it's... Um, go, grab a pen and paper and write this down. It's T-R-2-N. Yeah. Uh, which I didn't realize that the number two actually makes an O sound. Yeah. But that's how the sequel is going to be, which really is... Kind of gay, actually. Yeah, because I used think it was going to Tatooine. You know, that's what I, how right. I got it. Now, my my question about that, uh, about a sequel to Tron, is mainly what kind of video games are they going to be playing in this? Because it's really gone... We, we've gone from an Atari generation to an Xbox 360 right. generation. Well, I think, other than the light cycles, I'm sure they're going to... You know they're going to do something with the light cycles. They'll probably do some upgrade to them, because think about it. If, you know, the computer world then, that's what like then, it's probably been upgraded. Because I remember I played uh, the video game Tron 2.0, and they actually, at one point, like, they had to go back to, like, the old server, the old Tron server, and there was, like, old characters there, like, old tanks and all that. <laughs> it was kind of interesting, but I guess technically it was, like, a sequel to the movie. But, again, I think it just it holds up. I mean, I think you're going to 
have the, the light cycles. I'm sure you have the discs, and they'll probably find some other new way to kind of spruce it up. They can actually do a lot with it, if you think about it, with yeah. so many things. And Jeff Daniels is actually going to be in this one again? Jeff Bridges, yeah. Jeff Bridges, I, yes, yep. sorry. Um, as far as I know, Excellent. I think he's, he's going to be like the overseer or something like that, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. He'll so, be the MCP now. I don't know. So I guess two, uh, two big thumbs up for Tron. I'll give it to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it still stays up after all these years. How about uh, uh, Clash of the Titans? Oh, boy. That's our, I think that was our first HBO movie. Actually, I saw that in the theater. Really? I went to go see that in the theater with my mom. I am pretty convinced the first movie I saw Boob in. Yo, I think yeah, it was a nice little butt shot. There was Buttshot. There was boob in that movie. Was there? I there can't was remember. Boob right at the beginning of that movie. Now you got oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes, yes. When the mother was feet, yeah. When Perseus and all that. And but I remember that was like when we first got HBO. That was like the first like when we first got HBO. That was like the big movie to come out for it. Yeah. And then I remember next month was like Mommy Dearest. Yeah. You know, kind of big I just, difference. What I remember about it coming to cable was that it took forever yeah. to get to cable. I'm sure it didn't take any longer than any movie did. Right. At that time, um, but. You know, I'm 10 years old going on 11, yep. and just getting all, when's it coming on HBO, when's it coming on HBO, when's it coming on HBO, yep. just pretty much took forever to do. Um, now, we actually rewatched this a couple couple months ago, my wife okay. and I, um, and at the end of the credits, she actually liked it, and I had set her, I, I think I'd almost set her up for disappointment, I, I actually thought thought talking to her like oh this is a bad movie yeah this is a bad movie i don't know if you're gonna like this this is a bad movie and we watched it she really enjoyed it um, as much as you can enjoy a film with very antiquated special effects and i found myself getting into it a little more too it had a good cast it had a, it had a yeah, it had a pretty good cast i mean i i think that lawrence arabia uh, lawrence of arabia yeah. <laughs> lawrence olivier <laughs> is, is up in heaven right now still lying on his resume about not being in that movie oh i know um the funny thing is that too is I actually had the toys before I'd seen the movie. Well, me too. I yeah. had Perseus. I had was it Calibus. Calibos. You had uh, Th- uh, Thalo. Thal- oh yes, yeah. He was the uh, kind of the guard that kind of became his friend. Yeah, and then you had Charon, which is I think hands down the worst action figure I ever had. That is probably one of the worst. He's action figures. yeah, just there. You know, essentially in terms of points of articulation, his arms could move and he could bend at the waist, but because he was wearing a robe. He didn't have two legs. He just right. had like that, that. He just kind of folded in half almost. I think the one part, a few things with I remember with Clash of the Titans was, of course, you know when you know they wouldn't give up the owls. So they had to make Bubo the mechanical owl. Yes. And you know the owl was so it was like you know metal and the things like flying around. And I understand all the whistles very well. I mean, you're kind of human. You can tell me you can understand every single one of those whistles. I know you're Zeus's son, but yeah, and that that's the thing is that he he's essentially it's like a dog whistle. It's only pitched right. to Perseus. Um, yeah, Thalo, not Thalo, Bubo was more more for the kids. Absolutely. Even though it, this is a children's movie. Even with he all... has a little theme song. I mean, and the music fit, you know, the character. Yeah. That actually had a phenomenal soundtrack. The orchestration was awesome. Yeah. The, I mean, the thing with, with Clash of the Titans was it was, a mo- it was a movie made for kids, even with the boobs and the decapitations and everything. Oh, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I, for, for me, especially... Now I still find Bubo a little insulting. Yeah. Only because he's kind of taken up like that Dino Buddy. Right. Thing. He's just there to be a sidekick. But I think the one thing that still makes that movie pretty well, I think it's the whole scene with Medusa. I think what makes that movie is that section still kind of creeps you out because you got the two other guys that get killed off. He's there, you know, he's got to find a way not to look at her and yet kill her and get the head and all that. And he sits there and he's just trying, you know, he finds a way to do it. But you're like, you know. That one thing where she's coming around the side and he's got the sword and you know he's ready to just you know 
hack her head off. And it's just kind of creepy, you know? And the whole thing with the two dogs and all that, it was just so, you know, just him and the two other soldiers. And it worked pretty well. I think yeah. the integration of the humans and the Ray Harryhausen models worked pretty well. Yep. It's it's still a, very visibly a special effect. Right. It is very obvious that that's not... But I think when that worked with, like, you know, the older movies right. you know, from the 60s, 70s, I think it, it was a great... It was great for what the time was. I have heard rumblings of a remake of it. Yeah, I heard that too. Uh, yeah, I expect that to show up on Sci-Fi Channel yeah. with um, Aztec Carnosaur or whatever the hell that horrible dinosaur movie was. It was out last month. I think one of our next podcasts down the road will talk about remakes that shouldn't be remade. Yeah, definitely. Uh, speaking of movies that are on the on the pipeline to be remade, Dune. Ah, Dune. Yes, the classic Frank Herbert 1960s sci-fi uh, novelization with soundtrack by Toto with soundtrack by Toto directed by David Lynch now keep in mind this is the movie that David Lynch turned down Return of the Jedi for he was going to direct Return of the Jedi instead he directed Dune yeah um I this is another one I saw in the theater okay but the thing with with Dune is I watch it more for the fact that I'm a little sentimental towards the the actual source material. I've right. read all the books. I'm a huge Frank Herbert fan. Yeah. Um, but I am not above making fun of this movie as I'm watching no. it. I think those things about the movie that are cool. Like you know, when they, you see the go the fight with the, the big you know shields there with like you know Patrick Stewart and you know Kyle McLaughlin fight with the shields. I thought that was kind of cool. It was like the sounds it made, and, and of course the sound weapons that they had, which are not in the book obviously, but it was a kind of a cool addition. It was just kind of fun. You know, it's the only action scenes I really liked from the movie other than that it was neat and it's funny to say that this is pretty much David Lynch's most grounded film ever yeah it's kind of saying something considering it's a movie about uh, desert planets and right <laughs> and gigantic space worms um, I pretty much I went to the movie not so much because I liked the the books I hadn't read the book at the time but because I was a huge police fan oh, there Sting, you go. Was yeah, Sting was in it Sting was in it and going back and rewatching that movie, I cannot believe the homosexual overtones that they were thrown around between Baron Harkonnen and Sting's character, Fade. Oh, I mean, come on. When he came out of that steam bath, there was nothing homosexual about any of that. Not come on, at now. all. I mean, come on. Not at all. I mean, so he was all sweaty and buff and... Okay, I'm not really turned on by that, but... Yeah, you know. so anyway... Um... I am getting married to a woman. <laughs> It, not not a bad movie, uh, not a great movie by any means, um, and I actually think that the original theatrical version is much better than the extended version which right. came out. Um, I'm kind of it's me and David Lynch in this camp, I yeah. think. Um, they recently released the director's cut on DVD. See, I didn't. Or the, the, not so much the, the director's cut because he the didn't extended, want it. We'll the, the extended, extended version. version. Which I don't mind in some cases. I mean, there's a few scenes in there that actually, things I didn't know. Like, you found out, you know, and this is a spoiler for you, I apologize, but if you found out, like, you know, like, you know, like, Chinese character, Sean Young's character, you found out that I didn't know that the, um, you know, uh, Max von Sydow's doctor kind yeah. is there. I didn't realize that that was her father. Right. I didn't know that because I didn't read the books. And the other thing is I didn't realize where the Water of Life came from. I mean, they say it, but they actually show you how it came out. Right. And I thought that was kind of neat. I thought those two scenes should have at least stuck with the some original. Of those, some of those extra scenes worked fine. I uh, wasn't so much a big fan of the oil paintings that they had thrown in. No, I mean, I like actually I did like his commentary better than... um. Oh, what's her name? Uh, Virginia Madsen. I like Virginia Madsen, don't get me wrong. She was a babe back then, but I kind of like the other guy. He explained things a little bit better, and I just like that better. I felt like I had a grandpa keeping me on his knee, telling me the whole story of, right. of uh, House of Trades. But I think what was better about this, if you didn't know about any of the movie, the story, it actually give give you a more explained version of right, it. Right, right. And even though like the sci-fi channel versions that came out earlier this decade 
um, were a little more complete. Yeah. Uh, they were really just shitty movies. Well, you know, it felt cheap. It felt like a TV. If they were like a TV, you, movie. you could see brushstrokes in in, you know. in the mat work. That's how bad the storyline was. Were. Great though, it kept more to the storyline. Exactly, and but in terms of of just just putting out something with the name Dune on it, right. I, I really don't think you can go wrong with the David Lynch version. I, right. I, I by no means would recommend it to anybody. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things that I'll enjoy it. If someone wants to watch with me, that's cool. But yeah. I'm not going to force anybody Absolutely to watch not, that. No. But speaking of being forced to watch things, one of the movies that um, my wife and I had put on our nostalgia list was The NeverEnding Story. Ah, The NeverEnding Story. Yes. Uh, the, the timeless tale of a boy who's locked in an attic and reads a book. Yes. That's... And, you know, the one thing about that movie I never got was, you know, when when she had a, he had to you know, call out a new name for the princess? <laughs> I don't even know what the name was. He yelled like, bah, 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 and all of a sudden, magically, everything's back to normal. Right. I, th- I think it was Princess Buttercup. I don't. I don't know what it was. It was like you know, Karamia. I don't know. I mean, I don't know because he said his mother had a beautiful name, and I never because he yelled it so loud. I just never understood right. what it was. And if anybody knows what it was, email us. Right. Um, you know, it's it's one of those movies that special effects are okay. It very. It, it was a little trippy. Yeah. Um. You know, not a big fan of Luck Dragon. Not a big fan of like, you know, Deep Roy is. Right. He was essentially an Oompa Loompa, which is kind of yeah, funny now, considering that that's that's been become his life. I think, but I think it does fit a family. It does have a family element to it. You can kind of watch it, but it was kind of dark for the time. It was. In fact, yeah. um, like Autumn was, just... was was telling me that the thing that always scared her was the horse getting sucked into the into the mud. Oh yeah, the and mud. And finding the um. I think it was like a, some soldier skeleton really, really freaked her out when she was a kid. Yeah, of course. And then she found. Then later on, the kid finds the big turtle. And yeah, he's sneezing on him. And of course, you see him all wet. I'm going. That's not water. That's like that's, big turtle. That's just, boogers. That's I mean, mucus. You know, that's horrible. I'm going. Oh God. <laughs> and the, what what really pissed me off too with uh, Neverending Story, and it, it never really occurred to me the first time I'd seen it as a kid. But when I when I watched it again a few months ago, just the. When he's he's on the back of the of the, of the luck dragon, who's I can't even remember that thing's name. Uh, Falcor. Falcor. He's on Falcor's back, and Falcor is in the real world now, and he's flying. He's pumping his fist and going yeah. And then what does he do? He points to you in the audience and tells you how much you suck because you're not riding on Falcor's back right now. Yeah, I mean, hell, he had Gerald McCraney as his dad. <laughs> Yeah, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be bragging about how much my life sucked if no. I had Gerald McGrady as my dad. I mean, hell, he had major dad. <laughs> he did have a major dad. Um, then there's Labyrinth, which ah, is another Labyrinth. one that was on my wife's queue. Not, not a bad movie. It's. I, I don't know. I, I I think when I finally saw this, I think it was about a sophomore in high school. So. I was getting a little more cynical about what I was watching. Um, it had Bowie. It had Bowie in it, yeah. And that's... This is before I realized how cool Bowie was. I actually hated Bowie for most of the 80s. Really? Up until the very end of the 80s when I kind of hit musical puberty, so uh, to speak. Yes. And started getting into glam rock and everything like that and realized, oh man, Bowie's a man. And then MTV had like, you know, real videos at the time. Before yeah. All the crap that's on there now. Before the shows, exactly. But I remember the thing about Labyrinth was, I mean, of course, we were all, you know, we were all introduced to Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, and exactly. She was However, it would be a few you know, more years before we'd be introduced to Jennifer Connelly's rack. That is true. That is true. But at least, you know, 
it was just like it was just you know peeling the onion you know yes exactly um david bowie's cod piece however gave me nightmares yeah yeah, and of course, magically now you know the baby's in the thing, and apparently, if they didn't get to it by a certain time, it was going to magically become a, like a little goblin. Yeah, you know, which I mean, that wasn't a very good-looking kid. So a kid that got kind of fit. Well, you see the striped thing he was wearing, you know. Yeah, that's kid was already kind of destined. That's just wrong. Yeah. Um. It, it also it had Jim Henson's Muppets, and that was kind yeah. of that was kind of cutesy. I, I'm one of these people that if it's not the Dark Crystal. I really have a hard time accepting anything from the Henson group that isn't the actual Muppets. And this one gets held up pretty pretty well for the time. Yeah, yeah. I heard there's a sequel. Uh, I've heard that there's possibly going to be a sequel. Yeah. I, mean, we'll, I guess we'll see what happens. We'll if see what happens comes up, that. will be another day for another show. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, I guess, I guess long story short, Dark Crystal, awesome. Labyrinth, Labyrinth not eh. so bad. Not so bad. It was cool, but not. it didn't really stand the Did it hold time. up? No. No. Exactly. Um, speaking of not holding up to the test of time, the black hole. Ah, the black hole. Uh-huh. It did have Robert Forrester in it, though. It did have and Robert Forrester. He was kind of, you know, and what Anthony Perkins and yeah, Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine died a horrible death in that movie. Ah, uh, yes, he had the ship kind of blue. No, no, Ernest Borgnine. It was what are you talking about when he got um, yeah, killed? Or, no, no, that, that was Anthony Perkins was right. the one who was killed by Maximilian, the giant red robot who uh, would eventually represent Satan. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was. The, I think that's the part we'll have to get to in a moment. But I think the best part of that movie was, you know, the robot. Yeah. Uh, oh, the robot was. The robots were excellent. Uh, Ernest Borgnine uh, just kind of pooped his pants yep. and tried to make a make a mad dash out of there. Yep. And blew up their ship, and yep. then space was, you know, there was like an an air of the smell of bacon in uh, outer space yes. for five minutes afterwards. It was pretty funny. But yeah, you're right. The robots are. Kind of what drew, drew us into the movie yeah. in the first place. Well, you see the little David versus Goliath thing, you know, with Vincent versus Maximilian. Yeah, you know, yeah. And it eventually hits him. You, put, you felt bad for old Bob, whose voice was it? Slim Pickens. It was uh, Slim Pickens' voice. Yeah, and it kind of fit. You know, you felt bad for old Bob. He just he just kept getting beat up. You know, he was just the last robot on there, and he got beat up like crazy. And Vincent's kind of like, "Yeah, hey, I'm your big brother. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take care of you." Yeah. Now, what was sad about? And it was sad at the end when he lost big old Bob. Yeah. The funny thing is, though, is that um, the Black Hole is one of those movies that I was aware of as a kid. Uh, I had had the the action figures, which mm-hmm. um, just like most of the toys made by Mego at the time, were all held together with elastic bands, which uh, broke, yes. and so everybody yep. was wasteless and legless at some point or another. <laughs> um, the first of all, I was, I was kind of pissed they never made an old Bob figure. I mean, they no, made they Vincent. Yeah. Well, the, the funny thing with Vincent was that they packaged him in such a way that his head was pushed down, so you couldn't see his face. So I thought that's how the figure was until. Maybe about six months after I had had it, and I kind of pulled the thing up and noticed, oh, there it is. There's his eyes. Hey, With hey. the legs out, too, or something. <laughs> yeah, you know? the legs would come out, too. And it came with a stand. He and yeah. Maximilian came with stands because they just wouldn't stand up on their own. Right. I don't know why they didn't give stands to any of the other figures because none of them st- stood up on their own, either. Yep. Um, but when I finally got around to seeing the black hole, it's about 15 years old or so. It was mm-hmm. on, on TV. And I had already seen Blazing Saddles. Okay. So... My my image as to what Slim Pickens was kind of just is kinda vastly different from what uh, the movie's trying to portray. Right. You know, instead of being a senile old salt robot, he's just a bigot. Pretty much in yep. a redneck. You know? Yeah, exactly. And the women, we raped the shit out of them. <laughs> so won't go like candy. <laughs> uh, so it's thumbs down on the black hole. Yeah. Well, you know, this is. I mean, it was okay. The special effects are good. The scenes were great. It was the ending that was really bad. We won't spoil it for you. You just gotta watch it to kind of uh, see l- it. Let's just say everybody goes to hell. Yeah, that's well, 
Yeah, except for them. Didn't they like go off to some new planet or they got through well, or whatever? Well, what I don't even up, know. Well, what, what ended the up happening was is that they and, yeah, all right, spoiler alert. They go into the black hole. Yeah. Um Max von Sydow's character or was it no uh, Professor Reinhardt. Maximilian Shell. Maximilian Shell. Yeah. I, I can see Max too. Seriously, yeah. Yeah. Um Professor Reinhardt was the character's name. Right. The 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 Cygnus, which is their big greenhouse ship, yep. goes into the black hole. And Professor Reinhardt is trapped underneath all this rubble, and all of a sudden, Maximilian is revealed to be the devil. So uh, yeah. Reinhardt is dead and and in hell. Meanwhile, they the the crew of the Palomino, the folk the good guys, fly from one end of the black hole to another end of the black hole, essentially leaving the black hole. Right. Leaving room for a sequel, which would never happen. Yep. But I think the interesting thing about that was, too, I think it's like, if you look at the end, all of a sudden he's like part of Maximilian. Oh, yeah, that's... I mean, that was the funny part about that. Yeah, you know, for a movie made for kids, and uh, just interesting little trivia note on that, that is the first PG live-action film Disney ever produced. It was. Oh, yes, that's, that's right, that's right. Big. They made a big deal about that, and well, obviously... Think, well, Anthony Perkins' death was pretty bad. I mean, you didn't see blood, but that kind of that would freak you out. Yeah, exactly. But it was it was way too trippy and way too drug induced for a movie that is is made marketed to children. Right. Um, uh, one that was definitely not made and marketed to children, even though it carried a PG rating, and showed up on uh, HBO a number of times, which is where I first caught it was Beastmaster. Beastmaster, starring the great Mark Singer. And that was almost like had like fetishes in there. And at some point, you got like you know all the you know yeah like all like the, the you know the priests were all bald guys, and you had like Rip Torn was their like leader. Yeah. And you look at Rip Torn now, you just Rip Torn just kinda looks like that dirty old man. But back then he was actually kinda creepy. He was kinda creepy. You know, and I remember just watching that movie, you know, like Mark Singer who was like, you know, all of a sudden he can look at a beast and talk to it and you know That's... of course he had his little, you know, ferrets that would like steal for him and Yeah, I mean pretty much it was just like the casting of, of James Earl Jones and Conan. Just get your prestige actor. And then you gotta get that there. one hottie that will show her boobs at least once, and that was yep. Tanya Roberts. Yep, and that was that's pretty much all I can remember from Beastmaster. Oh, and John Amos. And John Amos was in it, yes. James! <laughs> uh, moving on, we just got a couple minutes left to uh, talk about a few other movies. Time Bandits. Ah, yes, Time Bandits. Time Bandits was a great movie. Uh, my dad took me to see that one. I saw it in theater, too. It's, it's one of those movies that mixes the genius of Monty Python um, with midgets. Pretty much. And that's... I really enjoy that. It's it's a great Terry Gilliam film. And you figure how many of them were actually Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. I think know? all of them are either Ewoks or droids. Well, yeah, I know, well, that one little guy, Fidget, he was like the one that got killed. Remember, he got crushed. Yeah, that, he Kenny was, Baker. He was... That was uh, R2-D2. That, yeah, yep. And, yeah, and I, I remember... He... And uh, I think the big fat one that became a pig, that was actually the... I believe, if I remember correctly, it was the tale of Jabba the Hutt. Uh, yes. If he wants to be happy, I do this. If he wants to be sad, I do this. He's like, you know, doing it back and forth, up and down. I remember he's sitting in there, and I'm going, oh my god, like all the time bands are in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I think... Did they I, all kind of just stop and get rid of the map? I think pretty much Lucas had those guys out on loan, because I think that they, they run his plantation. Right. Um, all in all, I think it still holds up really well, special effects-wise. It's and remember cool. who was in the end of that movie? Uh, that would be also, Sean Connery. Yes, but also, again, Sir Ralph Richardson was the... He's the supreme, supreme being. being, yeah. Yeah, so we got a lot of and, Ralph and you get David David Warner in there. So That's David right. Warner makes another appearance as a cad. I think we've had three Ralph Richardson like you know parts in this today. I don't know whether you know if Ralph Richardson were alive today, he'd be listening to this podcast. Absolutely, he'd be proud because his name has been mentioned three times already on three separate occasions. He's not a great actor. He's a great actor. Bundled into one thing. Um, 
Another movie my dad took me to, and this movie is absolute dog shit. I think I watch this one maybe once every ten years yep. just to see if it gets any better. It's Star Trek, the motionless picture. Oh, <laughs> God. You know, I think, didn't we make a joke about what the commentary was on that? It was pretty much just the guys just going, we're sorry. We're sorry. We're really sorry. All right, let me let me set the stage for you, okay? It's 1979. The movie has just come out. My dad right. takes me to this movie. There is an overture. There hasn't been an overture in a movie since the 1960s. I think my dad was having flashbacks of being a kid, yeah. being taken to see Lawrence or Arabia or something mm-hmm. like that. There is a freaking overture in this science fiction movie based on a horrible 1960s television And it was great. Show. It was actually a great overture. It's a great piece of music. Jerry and Goldsmith should be commended. But here's the thing. As soon as you get done with that, you're like, oh, okay, now let's get to the action. Right. All of a sudden, you get three Klingon ships and with three little, Klingons. And their little and Klingon overture. Exactly. A little Klingon theme. But here's the thing that killed me about it. Is that essentially it's 15 minutes of three guys talking in Klingonese. Right. Kind of like the Star Wars uh, holiday special where you yeah. get 15 minutes of Wookiee. You get <laughs> you get Klingon for 15 minutes before they get blown up and then a whole bunch of confusing shit happens. And did they even subtitle it? I don't even remember if they did or not. I uh, They did subtitle it. But yeah. still, it's, you know, I, I'm... What, seven at the time? I, I think that was like the first time Klingon kind of came into play. I mean, like the series really, I mean, they didn't really kind of like hit it much. They always talked in English, you know. But I think at the same time, I was thinking, what? <laughs> that's, that's really all you can see. And you see in three, okay, maybe they're going to like, you know, maybe have this big fight with this big huge thing. So yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. But it's, it's one of those movies that, you know, I, I do go back and I watch it every once in a while. Because the sad thing is, is that for a movie that is so unwatchable. Mm-hmm. The movie that followed it afterwards, Wrath of Khan, is so good. Well, I think part of it is you had, you know, you had, you brought back, you know, a great actor from, you know, one of the series, Ricardo Montalban, plays, you know, a guy that, you know, they jilted, you know, they probably, you know, it you know, made sense because it had something to do with the show. Like, revenge was like kind of the whole thing and, you know, you had two ships fighting each other. You saw a lot of phasers, a lot of photon torpedoes, and I think that's what people wanted to see. Action. Yeah, exactly. And the thing with Star Trek 1, which... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't go into that horrible pun anymore. Um, they really tried to make it like Star Wars. There was right. like, I know it had been in production before Star Wars had come out, or at least it had been in pre-production before right. it had come out. But I really think that they wanted to hit on aliens and weird-looking characters. And right. I think that had Star Wars not come around... Um, what was Persis Combato's character's name? Do you remember? Oh, Ilya something. Ilya. 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 Ilya or something I like really that, don't yeah. think she would have been bald. No. And... It's one of those things that it's it's very blatantly a copy of the success of Star Wars. They try to copy that success and right. just failed. And to try to restart start a genre, which actually did have a great cult following. Yeah, yeah, because the series was fun. The old series was fun to watch. Yeah, I you know agree. you know it's bad, but it's just you know it's fun. You know and. It is. I don't it know what this. You know, I mean, when the new movie comes, I have no idea. What I'm going to think about that yet. Yeah, all I all I know is that I'm, I'll give it a chance. Okay, with the casting right now, I'm not. I'm not blown away, and I really I'm going to give Chris Pine the chance because really I thought right. that was Matt Damon's role to lose. Yeah, but we'll give him a chance. I mean, he's younger too, and I think he's got more time to play the character. Exactly. You, know, you can always learn from it. And I'm sure if he watches enough of the old series. Exactly. You know, it's only going to make that complete for me though. Space Lincoln. There you go. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, we're just about out of time. Before we sign off, I just want to let you know that we do have a website. It's geeksalad.mypodcast.com. If you want to email us, give us a uh, drop us a line at geeksalad at yahoo.com. And keep your eyes open because we are going to have a MySpace and Facebook page 
coming soon. So just keep up. We'll see what we're going to have. This is our first one, and we'll have more things going on. Definitely more to come. Uh, so just prepare. Prepare for the worst, I would say. And if they have any thoughts, any comments, please let us know. Yeah. You know, we're not going to take spam. You know, just don't say hey, the show sucks. Exactly. If you don't like what we say, tell us why. Be intelligent. Exactly. I mean, you know, you get people say your show sucks. It's stupid. Okay, why? Be productive. You know. So anyway, you. I'm Andy, and I'm Mike, and this is Geek Salad. Have a great day. We'll talk to you in a few weeks.